all the luxury brand challenge today and they all work like that is how do they balance their legacy with innovation. Hi and welcome to the Financial Fox, investing and innovation ideas with a twist. I'm your host, Steffi B, and today's episode is all about digital fashion and where you can find the coolest sneakers in the world. I will be joined by Benoit Pagotto, co-founder of Artifact Studio, where the next generation sneakers and collectibles for the metaverse are born. The cult of sneakers or trainers has started during last century. They have become a master for any occasion and for any generation. Some are exclusive edition or unique collaboration with celebrity and artists. So basically they have become collectible pieces. You can find any type of sneakers from designer fashion costing thousands of dollars to high street sportwear for the average teenager. So now they have broke into the metaverse, becoming one of the top of fashion collectibles with a record set of virtual sneakers raising $3.1 million earliest this year. So yes, that's pretty crazy, but it is, it is happening and more big brands and artists are exploring collaboration to create unique digital assets for the metaverse. People are a lot more aware of what's the value of creation. Um, it's, it's all about this transparency and trying to be more fair between the relationship between business and, and, and art. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not only the business and art is just here to look cool. It's like uh, everyone gets paid the same uh, because we understand the, the value of creation. Before we go into the episode, I want to talk about my new crypto web domain name, financialfox.crypto, which I got from unstoppable domains that is creating a new generation of web domains, which are actually blockchain domain name that you buy once, right? And you don't have to worry about renewable fees anymore because they are yours forever. And also they are decentralized, so no one can take that down or hack your data or your website because they're only yours. Also, because they are effectively NFTs, you can trade them and make money once the decentralized web is going to be taken over. That's why I secure my financialfox.crypto and then I got it up and running, claiming my domain name. So the coolest things as well is that you can make any crypto payment using your domain name. So you just add your wallet address to your domain name and forget about it. And when you need to get paid, you just give the person your crypto web domain and everything is done. So it's so easy. And you can get any unstoppable domains names you want to be because they just released some really cool extension. If you're gonna use the link in the description below, you're gonna help our channel and that is so much appreciated. And also if you want to do a little bit more to help us because you like the work we are doing and the content that we are producing, then you can make a donation in Ethereum, Bitcoin or USDC to financialfox.crypto and that will be super, super awesome. Right, let's get into the episode. Hi Benoit, how are you? I'm very good in you. I'm fine. It is really awesome to have you on the show to talk about fashion, to talk about sneakers and also, you know, technology, NFTs, the metaverse. I mean, I have so many questions for you that I don't know that we are, if we are going to be able to, you know, to touch them all. But um, 
Yeah, let's uh, let's maybe start with uh, obviously your project and uh, how do you go involved? How do you start uh, RTFKT and uh, you know a little bit about your background as well. Uh, cool. So first, it's not only my project. You know, we are three three co-founders. There's me, uh, Zabtio, and Chris, uh, aka ClegFX. So Artifact, and also the name is is pronounced Artifact, even if we wrote it RTFKT. It's because when we, we started the company, uh, we wanted to call it Artifact, but we couldn't find the domain name. It was already taken. So we used a special way of writing it with just uh, you know weird letters. So it's cool because today it acts a bit like a secret code. People need to, to know, you know, to really know how to pronounce the brand name. Yeah. But so yeah, it's Artifact the, or RTFKT if you want, but that's how we pronounce it. And uh, we started... Uh, we started really because I was working. I was working in esports uh, for a big team called uh, Fnatic. Okay. Uh, for the past uh, 2016, 2020, and I met my two co-founders while I was at Fnatic because I was in charge of all the brand and marketing, and I was doing lots of stuff related to limited edition collection and apparel and cool designs. And I was working a lot with people from the game industry. Uh, because I thought that Fanatic being an esports team, we could really leverage on the game culture in terms of aesthetic and design rather than trying to, to replicate what Off-White or Nike or stuff like that were doing in terms of the merch. And uh, I met with Chris uh, through this because I, I contacted him to do a project at the time, 2018, um, about making a, a skin for my Counter-Strike team because Chris was known I mean, he's, he's got many, many, many talents, but uh, one of the main things he's known for, I knew him for, was that he, he was one of the best uh, Counter-Strike and Dota skin designer. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the principle of cosmetics and skins in game, but uh, basically he's a top designer in this type of stuff. And I contacted him to make a skin for my team. And then after I started to put that skin on, um, I think it was the first thing, was like a Nike Air Force One. Uh, just to see how we'd be looking and we were thinking together of how we could merge the gaming culture and sneaker culture. Uh, because as well, we noticed that a lot of my esports players or Twitch streamers, you know, as they were getting more and more public facing uh, and making content all day and were also getting more and more money, they started also to buy into like high fashion brands, sneakers, and they were, you know, following the sneaker industry drops and stuff like that. And we thought that it would be really cool to make something to merge these two cultures together because it's, you know, sneakers are already an asset people use to display their status, but also they use it as an asset to make money and, and trade and sell and flip and resell. Um, and, and the same is, has been happening for years with game skins in games. So we thought it's the perfect canvas for us to try to, to merge the two cultures together. And uh, then we did a, a first test with uh, a Yeezy 700 that we skinned around, like a very popular skin in Fortnite called Raven at the time. So again, all of this is 2018, so it's two, two years and a half ago. And it became insanely popular. We posted it on the Fanatic Instagram, which had at the time a million followers, and it became the biggest, highest engaged post we ever did on Instagram. So that's when it started to tick with me increase. We thought, okay, like there's clearly something when you put these two cultures together, it's making something people really, really engage with and, 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 a, and a vision people have been waiting to see, I think, for a long time. And then we met the third co-founder, Stephen, uh, when my League of Legends team was going to the World Cup in Seoul in 2018. Uh, so it was no, November 2018. 
And because my team was going there, I thought, okay, like they're going to see, be seen by millions of people online. Um, and so we need to make them real sneakers uh, that we with our designs. So we made them the sneakers with Steven, who at the time was running um, a very, very successful custom sneaker company. Uh, and we did that. My team wore the sneakers. Everyone wanted to, to buy them. Um, and they, they ended up going up to the finals, but they lost in finals 3-0 against the Chinese team. And it was really bad to see. <laughs> but uh, but the, the result was still there. Like everyone saw the sneakers and we put that idea in the world, you know, both first as content and digitally on Instagram. And then in the real life with my team, my League of Legends team wearing the sneakers on stage in the biggest esports tournament of the world. And we really thought that it was really, really like where, where the, you know, we could really bring a new vision and, and execute it like no one else. And then we followed up just after in January, we, um, I did a limited edition collector edition for my League of Legends team, because, you know, in esports, when you win, you sell. And when you lose, you don't sell, right? Okay. It's like sports, like a lot of what you said in terms of merchandising and stuff is driven by the team's results. And I was very pissed off because I'd, I prepared lots of stuff, but my team lost in final, right? Like the worst, <laughs> worst moment. And in January, we followed up with a commemorative uh, collector edition uh, to, for, for people to always remember this, uh, this uh, epic esports moment that they did because it was the first time since 11 years, I think, that the European team was reaching finals in League of Legends. And we did the collector edition with a champion hoodie collaboration, uh, limited edition uh, art uh, done by some artists I selected uh, that were really cool to do fan art for the for the event, and uh, five NFTs for people to collect them because I wanted to do that as a test because I discovered NFTs just before, and I was thinking in with Chris and Steven as well that it was really the best thing because when I was in esports, my audience was used to purchase digital items with skins in games, but us as a team, we had no control if we could do skins or not. It was all up to the publisher to decide if we could have team skins or not. And NFTs was actually unlocking so many possibilities for us because I was always working with these amazing artists and making super cool wallpapers for the fans to get them for free. But I was always thinking, man, I wish I could sell them the wallpaper. <laughs> Uh, because it, it takes effort from the artists, from us to organize it. So just giving it for free makes no, no sense. Um, and yeah, and that's where we, we discovered an NFT altogether. And then the three of us really started to think more about what could we do. And we're all seeing that we each had skills and network that was really, really complementary. Uh, and we got along really well as well. We're laughing all the time every time we're meeting up. And then slowly we started to think uh, that uh, actually like what, what was seen with the gaming culture that was starting to take over. Um, and, and in terms of traditional fashion brands, not understanding that culture at all, uh, simply because they never really paid attention to it, you know, and they only started to pay attention once Louis Vuitton sponsored uh, yeah. League of Legends in 2019. And then in 2020, when COVID arrived and, you know, Fortnite did the Travis Scott concert, that's when they all started to a bit like wake up to what is gaming. Uh, but that's why we thought, okay, like none of these brands understand anything about this culture. Uh, the, the future is going to be much more oriented towards digital goods rather than physical goods. Uh, and also we are thinking that the sneaker industry was a bit, a bit becoming a bit boring. You know, there's like three cool release every year, but rest of the time it's just like different colorways, basically. Um, and then that we could be a lot more creative with how we think of sneakers. 
And so that's why we decided first, we just did a social media account just to test a bit to make some content. And then we, we went full on and decided to really focus on it and, and all me quit my, my fanatic job. I was for four years. Uh, Z like get you know get rid of his uh, customization company and then join together to create Artifact and we started full time um, January 2020. That's how it uh, all all started. So so basically, Artifact was um, is kind of born from uh, the gaming and esports industry, for what you you said, and trying to kind of uh, create something that was a collectibles and was um, something for the community. Isn't it? I mean, really, it was born because we thought that there was a new generation of, you know, creative coming up and also places to, to use fashion items and not just, you know, in the real life. Yeah. And it was born from that, like thinking that actually it's a, it's a new culture that very, very few understand. And also, you know, me, I used to work in luxury and fashion and gaming and there's not 10,000 guys like, like this in the world that did both. Uh, so, uh, and so we thought that we were actually the perfect team to, to execute this, you know, because a lot of people talk about it, uh, but it's different to talk about it than doing it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we, we start, we did it. Yeah. And, and I really want to, to stop here and just, um, uh, explain a little bit more because you have got experience in luxury, uh, in luxury fashion. So you know how the industry works and their reluctance as well to get into technology, to get into gaming. I mean, you might see that I think the way they see, for instance, uh, NFTs is really they see, you know, these NFTs in platform where the, the element of luxury is kind of lost. Uh, so, so that's maybe one of the reasons why they don't want to, they didn't want to jump into, um, you know, into that technology NFT space or they've been very cautious. They've been looking like, uh, that's not really, fashion because fashion is more about luxury is more about you know touching actually um mm. you know crafting things why what i wanted to ask to you is why do you think luxury fashion brand has always been kind of reluctant or hesitant to uh, adopt technology and uh, uh, adopt the the gaming culture but I mean, there are different reasons. I think the, the first one is that all of these brands, you know, they are built on legacy, right? They are with the, and, and, and all the luxury brand challenge today, and they all work like that, is how do they balance their legacy with innovation? Uh, because, you know, they have such a rich history and, you know, archive and DNA and all of that. So it's, and it's a lot uh, anchored in the past. And it's very hard to to work with this because you, you always need to pay respect to the past uh, while at the same time pushing things forward to innovate and be seen as innovative. Um, and in and, and every big technological advancement, they always been a bit, at first they were like the last to move, uh, you know, like they were the last one to move on, on social media. Uh, they were the last ones to move on e-commerce. Yeah. Uh, I, I think now they are a lot more faster to adapt. Um, for example, if you look at the gaming side, actually the brand that's doing the most uh, is Gucci. Yeah. Uh, even though, honestly, what they do is very, very low level in the end, and it's a lot driven by PR. Uh, it's not really long-term strategy or long-term commitment. Um, but that's why I think it's just like everything. It's the fear of the unknown. And also, <clears throat> just the gaming culture is not something they really considered 
a culture before. They all, always thought, that, I think, that they, it was just like uh, some games and maybe bad for, uh, for, for productivity or just like something where there's violence, you know, all of these bad, stupid cliches there's on games since uh, decades. And I think they never had the people inside to actually make them understand that it was more than just a game and it was a brand new medium and a brand new culture that they needed to embrace because if they don't, uh, every kid who's born today is born being a gamer, you know? Uh, so I think it's just that they never really paid close attention because it was very, very far from their uh, culture, which is all anchored in the past when gaming is always about technology and what you, how you can use the technology to make new experiences. Yeah, and I think, as you said, perhaps now they are kind of experimenting, but I think they still have to understand the value of NFTs and actually the revenue they can get if they can be more attractive to the new generation and, uh, um, you know, this um, new space, uh, the metaverse that is uh, is happening, is happening. And that's uh, something else that we should, uh, we should talk because uh, the sneakers... Right, the sneakers on artifact, they can be um, worn, they can be used in the metaverse. So, explain to me a little bit um, about the metaverse, which metaverse you like most, uh, and how actually people can engage with those NFTs in the metaverse. Hmm. So, principle of metaverse, you know, it's born in uh, science fiction books. Uh, mainly in one called uh, Snow Crash. Uh, and then it was a bit more, pop, you know, made more popular to the mainstream audience with a Ready Player One when it became a movie. And just basically Metaverse is the principle of being in an interconnected space in 3D, you know, where you can have different objects that you can bring in different worlds with you um, and all living together in this massive open world in a sense. Um, and, and the principle of metaverse has been getting a lot of hype these days because it's a bit of a hype world. Uh, but really, like to me, the, the closest thing you can see to a metaverse, except the fact that it's still centralized and, and it's not backed by blockchain in terms of technology. So you don't really own the items you have in these games. But the closest one in terms of the experience and the aesthetics and stuff would be a Fortnite. How you see, you know, how they bring. Marvel, Star Wars, uh, Alien, Fortnite, like all these IPs together to live together in one unique world. Uh, so I think that's the closest thing you can see of how the metaverse could be, except you need to do the same with a blockchain-backed economy where people actually own their skins and their assets and can and, and monetize them and then any other platform if they want to. Is the actual innovation is not coming from the big game studios. It's coming from smaller studios uh, like Sandbox, Decentraland, uh, Somnium Space, Crypto Voxels, uh, which are all these worlds, um, 3D worlds being built on the blockchain where people can buy land and own land and hire metaverse create shops and sell items and wearables. So that's what's happening right now is um, people are buying land on these blocks and what's interesting is that usually in real estate, where you buy is what matters, you know, squads are potentially what makes of a land over another is who you 
us where we just bought land on sandbox and once we did that a lot of people started to buy land next to us because the the moment we yeah. people knew we would have an office there or like a presence there the, the value of the land around us uh, went up uh, so what's interesting is to see all these mechanics of people who actually own uh, these pieces of virtual land and then they can do whatever they want in terms of experience um, and also monetization on the metaverse so that's that's very very interesting to watch and and as more people populate these worlds like they will need to to have clothes or you know armors or whatever you want like wearables to wear and to either stand out or to uh join in communities where they all you know they prove themselves by the way they 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 dress and the way they they, they have boats and all this type of stuff so all of this is uh, is evolving very very fast and uh we're following this closely and we're doing a lot of stuff in, in Sandbox and Decentraland these days. How you can ensure that the sneakers you are buying, because obviously, you know, these sneakers, they go as an NFT in a marketplace. How you can ensure they are authentic? So the, what I would like... Oh, it's to easy. Follow- but yeah. it's, that's the, the, the main thing of uh, blockchain is that whatever item you see, you can look at um, its properties and you know, understand what, what smart contract it was done on. And you can see who was the creator. Yeah. Uh, and, and if it's not our official account, then it means it's a fake. All right. So, okay. So that's a pretty easy. Uh, second and, it's, uh, it's, it's, and it's different because, for example, in the real world, you can have very, 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 very well done fakes Exactly. where the human eye can't tell if it's real or not. And actually, a lot of fakes are, are not fakes. You know, there are like people in the factory that are taking some and reselling them, you know. So it's actually real ones, some of them. Uh, but uh, on blockchain, you can't, um, you can't, you know, you can't copy because the, the provenance is what matters. And, and even if someone takes our image and, and mints it and makes a new NFT, it will be immediately obvious that it was not created by us and therefore have no value. How do you think the physical world can bridge the virtual world where you have got a way to prove ownership and authenticity where still in the physical world where, you know, as, as you said, and everybody knows, you know, counterfeit, counterfeiting, is, it is a big problem. Do you think there is a way that you can actually uh, bridge these two worlds um, to help luxury brand fight counterfeiting? I mean, but that's what a lot of them uh, have been doing already. You know, they've been developing an authentication system on the blockchain. So, for example, you have like the, the token ID written on the actual physical object. Uh, as that's what we do with our shoes, the physical ones we give that people make from the NFC. Uh, otherwise, you can have a RFID chip, you know, that you can scan with your phone and it's directing you to the authenticated uh, item on the blockchain. So it's it's really uh, not that hard. You just need to link the two with either a chip or like um, having the information of the token ID uh, on the actual physical garment. How big is the secondary market? It's very big. I mean, that's one of the big things, you know, uh, and also the community is a lot driven there's different type of you know collectors in the community. Some of them are entirely focused on um, collecting, not to collect only, but also to make money. Uh, so it's all about uh, how you try to get something before 
it's before it's big or before it's expensive and then right wait the right moment to, to sell it to make a profit so the secondary is very very big so explain to me let's say your sneakers sell first on your um on your platform how do you see that sneaker gaining value over time and becoming one of the top sellers uh, in the secondary market I mean, some of the stuff we've done, the, all, all the sneakers we did so far, you know, they've been reselling for two or three times the secondary. Um, and you can, it's easy to see. Uh, you publish it, you, you just get your data on the items you produced and you look at the, you know, how much they're listed for, if they resell or not. Um, it's, it's one of the main things of the blockchain is that you can track everything, you know. Uh, so because everything is transparent, So um, a lot of, so far us, we focused a lot on doing a lot of scarcity. So very, very limited edition. Uh, and also people have a tendency not to sell our sneakers because they won't, because the longer they keep them, the more, you know, upgrades and cool stuff they get from us. Because we do these, you know, forging events where people can get either new NFTs or physical objects for their NFT. Uh, really, and also the very important thing in, in, in this movement is that Every time there's a secondary event, a secondary sale, you as the creator uh, get 10% royalty for life, right? So it's, it's really empowering the, the creators to always get value back from its initial creation. Yeah, yeah, it is a big thing for the creator economy, definitely. So let's talk a little bit more about this collaboration that you have done and, you know, with artists and designers and some of the coolest sneakers that you have created and sold on your platform. As well, since day one, we're a very, very collaborative brand uh, because we love collaboration because usually it's giving opportunities for us to create stuff we would not expect to create if we stayed on our own. Uh, so the whole post-collaboration is how do you find the good collaborators with who you're going to create something that neither you or him or her on their own could do. Um, and us now as well, the cool thing is that we have a lot of, a lot of respect in the community and a lot of, you know, clout and big fans and collectors. So when we do things with collaborators, we always try to make sure that we also pick artists that are up and coming and not too famous uh, yeah. so that they can benefit from the exposure they do uh, by working with us. And we always uh, split revenue 50-50 with the artists. Uh, so it's very fair for everyone. And I think it's one of the big things, you know, that crypto is changing is that because all the money you make is transparent uh, and also people are a lot more aware of what's the value of creation Um, it's, it's all about this transparency and trying to be more fair between the relationship between business and, and, and art. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not only the business and art is just here to look cool. It's like uh, everyone gets paid the same uh, because we understand the, the value of, of creation. Is there any specific uh, pair of sneakers that you really like? I mean, honestly, I like all of them. The most famous ones and people are starting to receive their physical ones is the collaboration we did with Ferocious. Yeah. You know, it was like the 18 years old artist and also the, the way we did it was super cool and, you know, super uh, genuine and natural. We were just on Discord with Ferocious, you know, in December uh, working together. Uh, we, we started to contact him because we liked his work and it was before he was super famous. Um, so all of this made perfect sense. I think it was 
a very, very unique moment. So of, of course, yes, we made $3 million and everyone talks about that, but mainly it was like the first time, you know, us, a new type of brand were, was making really, really interesting moves in the sneaker industry with an artist that, again, I was 18 years old and coming from the crypto space. And usually, you know, only people getting their sneakers are like celebrities or superstar athletes. And us, we made one with a 18 years old artist. Very, very few people knew, and and we broke every single record uh, with that drop. Right, so it's quite cool because I think it was a bit of a iconic moment of of artifact and what we're trying to do between creatives and sneakers and and changing how the how brands are working with with art. Uh, and that's definitely some of my favorite ones. But every every one every sneaker we do and every collaboration is always interesting because it's always starting from a a connection you get with art and the artist and, and then what's cool is that you, you never know what's going to come out of it and, and and in the end it's always always cool and, and making money for everyone and then we can plan bigger stuff later right so it's it's, it's, a, it's a very very uh, virtual circle exactly very exciting listen tell me a bit about how you you make these sneakers so um, you know the process of uh, creating a digital sneaker and then as you said, uh, delivering the physical one, which uh, if I understand correctly, is coming afterwards, sometime yeah. afterwards. Yeah, just, just walk me through the process. I mean, it all depends because we developed for the most of the sneakers we do, and we always do everything in 3D anyway. And we always start with 3D um, and depending if the sneaker is a sneaker we aim to make physically or not, that's going to change the design a lot because if we don't plan to make it physically, we're not constrained by physics. So we can be really crazy with the sneakers yeah. with putting like strings on them and flames or yeah, whatever. We can go really fully crazy. And then what we did for the, the ones we make physically, we developed, so we're developing new models, but we did our first model. That's like, uh, you know, and the reference when we did that, I don't know if you know the brand uh, Bathing Ape. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, Babe, they did a uh, in the 2000, they did their own silhouette of shoe that was very much like an Air Force one uh, that they called the Babe Star. Uh, yeah. And us, we did the same with the creator shoe we created, which is very much looking like um like a similar to shape to like a silhouette to, to an Air Force one, which is one of the most popular shoes on the planet. Um, and we use that as a base that we get creators to skin. So we give them the, the patent files and et cetera, and we do their art. And what's cool is that we can then produce them physically. Uh, even if we do one pair or a hundred pairs, you know, we're not, we don't need to be producing 5,000 pairs or 10,000 pairs like the, the big brands, because we really think that it's, the future is not driven by mass production, but more like by very, very unique, peaceful production for specific people and communities. I, li I like that point that you said because uh, fashion is definitely going against uh, the you know the movement of fast fashion, trying to be sustainable, trying to be uh, unique. Um, so, so basically, what you're thinking is that like there will be more customized fashion items. That that will be the way the brands are going to start to work with the with the uh, customers. I think so, uh, but <clears throat> I, and that's why as well, us, we have a role to play. And I think us were just the first one in a new wave of new brands uh, because uh, we understand internet, we understand the culture, we understand the tools. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, whereas brands are still driven by their shops they have and their fashion calendar and all of this stuff, you know. Uh, so us, we, we don't need to have any concern for this because we don't have it, right? So we, we immediately create super bespoke, super unique because we think that's how the future is going to be. Um, but I guess some of the brands will start to do that and, and they, some brands do, do it already for very, very VIP service. Uh, but still today, you know, even if most of them are talking about sustainability and the kind of paradox of, uh, of uh, the fashion shows and, and the reason of, of the fashion calendar being obsolete. Uh, in the end, uh, you know, last week it was fashion week in Paris and they all did shows as usual, you know, <laughs> so they, they talk about it, but then they, they just, they still do the same stuff every day. Exactly. I, I just think that, you know, you need to kind of have a, a leading brand that he actually start to break through the virtual digital uh, world with some kind of like digital collection, uh, go, not going mainstream, but going out there rather than just do this, you know, one off case study, because, you know, otherwise uh, it's going to get... Um, it's going to get difficult to, to get everybody else uh, to jump into, into uh, the virtual world. But at the same time, maybe the metaverse has to evolve in a way where um, it's not just appealing to the new generation, but also, you know, to, to older people and has got actually a good uh, um, utility rather than just, uh, you know, being uh, fun or a game. You know what I mean? Like the game... Mm. It has to evolve a little bit more into a next uh, dimension of uh, our second life, in a way. No, but so, yes, the thing is, me, I'm not concerned at all uh, with uh, converting older people. Um, I'm purely focused on, on the people who understand and that are from the culture, uh, because it's not my job to convert new people. Yeah. Uh, and I purely focus on the next generation and, and even younger talent. And, you know, how do we, do we help them do their brand and their products and, and what they want to do? Um, but of course, like there's going to be some things that are more appealing to different type of generation, but also I've seen it in, when I was in esports, you know, um, I always had the same question of, Oh, uh, how do you get people who watch football to, to watch esports? And I was, uh, yeah, I don't need to. I don't need to force them. You know, it's not what they grew up with, right? Yeah. So um, you can't force a, a form of entertainment or culture to people if, if they don't come from it. Exactly. Or, or you you can, but you're gonna waste a lot of energy, and I'd rather put my energy on on the stuff I know. But you know, I think something like before pandemic, we we would never thought about having online meeting so so like that. You know, like having a Zoom call was something a little bit weird. You know, now everybody does it. Any kind of company, you know, any person, any age knows what is a Zoom call. So maybe you know, we are not actually too far away from um, an implementation of the digital world into into our life so let's see it looks well, but that's why you know like for example the metaverse a lot of people know is zoom in a sense right um and on zoom you dress up and you pay attention to your background and yeah. all that so it's like a super low level version of what uh, interactive 3d space can be 
Yeah, that's that's mm. okay. Let's uh, talk about something um, quite interesting because you know you have uh, you have a photo here of a CryptoPunks and and uh, artifact has done some great collaboration with CryptoPunks uh, and Larva Labs. So um, I've been looking over the weekend. I was looking at the, the punks movement, and uh, by mm. the way, I was a punk myself when I was there. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that everybody goes into kind of that stage when you are you know 14 or 15 you start yeah, yeah. Red, you know str- um, <laughs> uh, clothes are ripped off and then you start to have tattoos and and uh, you put chain as a bracelet and I remember my parents looking at me what well, you're trying to improve what are you trying to impress <laughs> and I the punk movement was uh, yeah a lot about ideology so like individual freedom anti-establishment views but it was also about uh, fashion with like a strong effect that's why you know you were having these weird rings crazy hairs then the high cut converse they were you know the, the coolest sneakers in the world or dr martin so can you share your uh, uh, vision and uh, uh, perhaps uh, the similarities with uh, uh, the punk culture if there is any mm. I think the main one is it's coming from, from people that used to be not really well regarded or, or no one was really paying attention in the society. And then they decided to express their, um, their vision and, and their anti-establishment uh, uh, thoughts through a movement that was punk. And, you know, and it goes and, and every movement comes with its fashion styles, you know, whatever it is. Uh, it's music, it sounds, and its own culture, right? So I think the crypto movement is a lot driven by that because you can see it started more as a financial yeah. uh, community. Uh, but same, it was people that used to be very, even though they were in the system, uh, they understood the system was broken in a sense and they, and they wanted to believe into a more decentralized approach and they stopped to believe in the current um established power governing you know our lives and our economy and then what's cool with the nfts is that it also went now it used to be just very abstract stuff unless you were a financial person looking at graphs and tokens and you know like crypto crypto stuff but now that you can attach the visuals uh, and emotional connections behind the the blockchain um it's 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 touching art uh, so that's why like there's been a big, big big boost in the art movement and and a lot of the people who are famous or got you know rich or like popular with the crypto movement were artists that used to be a bit outside of the light they used to be people working in agencies or designers making weird stuff no one wanted or people who never managed to get jobs in like big companies because they were maybe a bit too weird so and now it's them you know who are like the top top sellers right and even you saw some big celebrities or some big artists that tried to go in the space and they they did almost nothing like no one bought their stuff no one got you know hyped by them because they just come from a different culture so i think the main thing is that it's it's people you who used to be a bit outside of the limelight of society um, and the economy and that suddenly take their power in their own hands to install their new vision that is mainly focused on empowerment of people and, and uh, financial freedom, um, all, all governed by a decentralized system. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the main uh, um, the main let's say soul of the punk culture, but also uh, the crypto community. And uh, you know, I can see the revolution they are that is happening basically with uh, you know as happening in the financial system, and now with the NFTs is happening uh, uh, in arts, in fashion, in music, and, and kind of everything because it's all about ownership at the end of the yeah. day. And that's a big thing because you own, you own your data, you own your assets, and you should be able to trade them with freedom rather than being restricted. Also in the creativity element as well. You know, perhaps this is what the metaverse is bringing to the table. No, no, it's really this. Huh? It's really having uh, to, to, to do whatever you want to own and organize yourself as well in different communities through ownership of different items or like also, you know, what's very cool is what is called fractional ownership as well. So many yeah. people can own a piece of a bigger piece and it's all about people empowering themselves to their own creative freedom and financial freedom through, through the, the blockchain technology. Right. I'm quite interested into uh, fractional NFT, fractional ownership. How are you working on it? any project that is uh, involving this fractional ownership? Mm, ourselves, not for now. The, what's interesting, though, is that one, one collector bought one of our most expensive sneakers, that was the Cyber Sneaker. Yeah. Um, which I think is listed now for like $10 million or something like that. Wow. Because it was our first NFT as well, so that's why it's such an important one. And he was thinking of, of fractionalizing it, of, of, of you know, giving access to many people and so us we we are, we are open to, to that you know so it, it's, it's something we haven't done yet but uh, it's definitely one of the things you can do with blockchain that's super interesting right so well, we're thinking of doing stuff that way and perhaps there's something else that is quite cool is about uh, the concept of renting because if the metaverse start to get kind of like more developed, let's say, then, you know, may maybe I want my avatar for that specific occasion to wear that pair of sneakers. Yeah. But maybe I don't have the million to spend to buy the sneakers. So perhaps, uh, perhaps I can just rent them. So as rental has become very popular. It's, it's already something. So it's something actually that's quite popular with uh, cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Um, because the thing is that the moment you... The moment you put the crypto punk on your profile picture, you get lots of followers. <laughs> yeah, you get punks following, and also you you suddenly become a um, kind of a figure of authority, right? Because it's as if you join an influential circle. Yeah. Um, because again, like the crypto punks are equivalent of uh, having Lamborghini in real life, right? Uh, so uh, that's why in punks is actually something that some people are already doing and they rent their punks to other people and then they do contracts for five months where they can use it. And like, so it's already happening and I can see it uh, happening a lot because as well, you, a lot of NFTs are like kind of membership cards in a sense. Yeah. So you could rent your, if you, you know, you're not going to use it for three months, you know, you can rent one card to someone so that you can use the benefit from it and then give it back to you. So a lot of that is going to happen, I think. But, but listen, this rental infrastructure, do you have it in place now with Artifact or not? No, it's, it's not. So you use, it's not, it wouldn't be our infrastructure because there's people developing stuff like that. So for now, it's, there's no 
contract that's really when made for this. It's usually just like agreements you do in between people with, uh, you can okay. sign papers, but then it's always risky because if you give your NFT to someone in their wallet, exactly. uh, you have you nothing don't... to force him back to give it back, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be better to have some kind of like platform that facilitate that rather than, as you said, you know, if I'm giving your coolest sneakers, you might just disappear. You know, there are yes, <laughs> they disappear with, yeah. you know, with loads of money they raise, yes. you know, for ICO. So I, <laughs> I don't know about. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, you know, in a way that then you can see the sneakers again and maybe maybe you can blank the sneakers as stolen and then maybe if that is going to be tracked somewhere else, then, then maybe that person can be sued. I mean, it's uh, all possibility. But yeah, it sounds, uh, sounds very interesting. So what is the, the, the coolest things that you are working on at the moment? Is there anything that... Um, um, I can't say. We, we keep a lot of secrets. Oh, <laughs> is is there something to do with sports? Maybe. <laughs> with sports? Yeah, maybe, you know, with football or, you know. No, no, not really. We don't, honestly, we don't really care. Um, I mean, what we do, we do stuff here and there, but uh, it's not really something we focus on at all because it's not our culture. Yeah. We, uh, we are not like, uh, none of us in the team is like very sports driven. So uh, uh, we are not like big uh, fans of teams or football or stuff like that. So no, no, not sports. Okay. You do, would you see you doing something for like uh, Wimbledon or, uh, you know? No. No. Right. So, so kind I mean, of... I we won as a one-off thing, yes. But the thing is we try, we try to really not do one-offs. Yeah. Every project we do, we think of it as a project that's always going to be live and updated and have new things to unlock and new experiences and new items. So we really focus on making big projects that we keep on updating rather than doing one thing here, one thing there. Um, yeah, so just, just like this, yeah. Fashionable. Right. The, the last question that I wanted to ask you, you mentioned about, you know, working with emerging artists and I thought that was great because, you know, giving the opportunity to new artists uh, to create something and become successful. What about influencers like celebrities? They have been, uh, they had this kind of status of uh, pumping things up let's call it that way and uh, but it, it can't, do you think they still have this influencing power or do you think these things is changing i think they still have a lot of power you know because a lot of um, a lot of them have a huge following and you know everything is driven a lot by uh, fomo right yeah. so you you can always have influence on, on your audience but the, the audience is getting smarter and smarter and as well at the moment someone realized it's a scam the information to say it's a scam to others travels very fast uh so i think it's uh you know especially the kids these days they're a lot more uh, intelligent than we were uh so they, they they will understand they are being influenced in a bad way uh, faster than before now okay i'm uh, i'm looking forward to see the next um, drops Yes. <laughs> and, and it is amazing when you go on your website and then you see, right, half of the stuff they already sold out and you see like, you know, 20,000, 10,000. And I'm asking myself, right, even if I go and, you know, try to buy uh, 
you know, a Louis Vuitton sneakers, I wouldn't pay 10,000. I mean, yeah, no. there are the one with exotic uh, some kind of a skin or uh, some precious uh, fur, but it, but it looks like the virtual sneaker is much more expensive than, uh, than the physical one. Have you ever saw a sneaker that cost like a million? Uh, not millions yet, no. Uh, I think the most expensive was... Uh, diamonds. No, yeah, maybe with diamonds. But who will make the diamonds in the sneakers? I don't... The yeah. real ones, you mean? They do. Real ones, yeah, of course. And also we did us, I don't know if you saw, we did a diamond necklace. Yeah. In and we made, so we made the virtual necklace. And then for the collector, because he paid it uh, 880K, we made him a real one. Um, like uh, with, with some diamonds, white gold. Uh, it's like crazy... Uh, Crazy piece of jewelry, actually. Yeah, but so so you are basically thinking even to expand beyond Nikes, or you? Yeah, think- yeah. So we think of it, you know, um, we think of them as a, a collectibles, and also that's what we're called uh, artifact. Yeah. We think of them as artifacts, right? Like little magic objects. So it can be anything. It's just we started with sneakers because to us it was the iconic product that was representing what the brand was about. Yeah. Uh, merging gaming culture and sneaker culture with crypto. Uh, but the, um, we, we did the jacket, we did now we're doing jewelry. So anything that you can wear to look uh, cool, you know, uh, we Handbags. can make it. Handbags. And? Handbags. We don't, yeah, not bags yet because the but thing that is. Has to be, yeah. you know, they are one of the main collectibles with, um, uh, with the sneakers. Uh, so I mean, not all bags. It's more like the yeah, like uh, the Birkin bags or Hermes. Uh, some bags are more like collectible, but we didn't do it yet because actually in the because your items in the in the metaverse, you know, they they you have unlimited inventory. You don't need a bag. <laughs> no, exactly. It's much better yeah. for the things that you can wear. Maybe the handbags. It just keeps yeah, maybe keeps your arm busy, and then you maybe you yeah need, yeah. Okay, you well, need to, you, you prefer to have a, a, a sword, weapon. you know, yeah, a weapon, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a weapon to keep, or a, perhaps a pet, maybe. I would, yeah. I would love to see pets in the in the metaverse. Because yeah, yeah, the, some some people are working on stuff like that. Yeah, and then you can have the fancy collar and something like, uh, <laughs> yeah, super cool. Listen, uh, Benoit, it was lovely to chat with you. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. And no problem, it was cool. All right, that was uh, a very interesting interview with Benoit. I think we kind of explore everything about um, digital fashion and things are happening and the, the opportunity that technology is bringing to a quite old and traditional industry such as fashion. But we are going to see some really interesting things happening, particularly in the metaverse, and also with um, NFTs and the utility they have got within community, but also um, within the industry as well. It's all about ownership, it's all about the creator economy, it's all about empowering people, and it's also about 
authenticity and trust. So fighting counterfeiting is one of, uh, I would say, the main discovery and the main achievement that blockchain technology and NFT can help with. So stay tuned to the channel and uh, subscribe if you are not subscribed yet and follow us on social media to stay up to date with our news and interviews. I will see you next time.